Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hockey fans, are you ready to Brave the Wild? With me, your host, Paladino Joey. Brave the Wild is available on thesportstuff.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Double Twist. It's nice to be back on board with you once again today, but unfortunately, the Wild find themselves down two games to zero once again. As the Wild are now 0-8 in Game 2s. In the Suter and Parisi era, of course, Ryan Suter missing in action. Zach Parisi, Zach Parisi again. That's good, but basically nobody else is factoring in the scoring for the most part. Uh, unfortunate, man. Um, Devin Dubnik's been spectacular so far, and that's good. It's just there was that one back-breaking goal. And then, of course, game two was what, what it was. Um, the Wild hung in there, and then, yeah. And then the firing squad finally started piercing the armor of Devin Dubnik, and it really... Did in a big way. So we're going to, of course, talk about the two playoff games. We'll wrap up the regular season super quick. I know it's weird, but it's because the schedule, you know, I tend to record this on Saturdays. It's the best time to record it. And the final game of the season was on Saturday night. So, okay. We'll just very, very briefly talk about the San Jose Sharks game, April the 7th, of 6-3 win by Minnesota. So I guess we swept the Sharks this year. That's cool. That's nice and all, but... Yeah, well, you know, at least we got into the 100-point range. It didn't change anything with the uh, playoff seeding. I kind of wish it did. This matchup sucks, it's turning out. And, ah, oh, boy. Mm. Ugh. The old bigger, stronger, faster type of deal. It doesn't bode well for the Wild right now, and I'm not complain- I, I'm, I'm not bad-mouthing the team. I'm just pointing out something that's the way it is. I mean, it's what it is right now, and it sucks. I'm not rooting for the... Uh, I'm not rooting for the Jets at all. I hope Nashville sweeps them if they play in the next round. I'd rather shoot for Nashville, even though I don't even necessarily like Nashville. I don't like division rivals. Go Kings, I guess. I don't even like them. Hell with them. Go Eastern Conference. The hell with the whole Western Conference. The only team I like in the West is the Flames, other than, of course, Minnesota. Uh, Like, two times more than the Flames. But the Flames are still second favorite. To the point... Nice game by Minnesota, going up 2 nothing, and then it was just like last time around, oh, the Sharks tied it back up, and Brent Burns, of course, because he always scores one goal against Minnesota, at least one, if not two, like he did earlier in the season. The Sharks tuning up nicely for the postseason, but an awful finish, you could say, at the end of the year. The Wild didn't finish particularly well until this game, but Colin 
was able to get to his 11th goal of the season after a bit of a quiet run there. Louis Belpedio, Louis Belpedio, Luis Belpedio, and Jordan Greenway both getting their first points of the season. Nick Sealer got his fourth assist on the year. Cool. Um, Granlin lighting the lamps again for his 21st goal. Still a solid finish to a pretty good season for Mikhail Granlin. Of course, in and out, but you saw promise, and this is what you need for Mikhail Granlin if the Minnesota Wild are going to be successful in the playoffs, but we're probably going to need more than Mikhail Granlin at the end of the day. Uh, 67 points on the season, 21 goals, 46 assists, where, of course, Eric Stahl finished with 42 goals as he got the empty netter, 42, tying Marion Gabrick back in the day. And 76 points, good for second all-time uh, in a single season for the Minnesota Wild in the point category as Gabrick reached the 80s during that 40-goal season back in the day. Zach Parisi wound up with 24 points on the year in the 42 games, but finished extremely strong. So hopefully Zach Parisi can continue this renaissance into next year as he has brought it into the playoffs as he scored in each of the two games so far. Dumba got to 50 points. Matt Dumba got to 50 points. Awesome. So I'm glad we kept him, even though losing Eric Haller really sucks, and we could use him right now. I'd rather have him than Charlie Coyle right now, quite frankly, and that's saying a lot considering Coyle went first in the first round of, of the draft. And Hollow went seventh, seventh round pick in the draft, seventh round, yeah. So I'd rather have Hollow than Coyle right now. Anybody else? Show of hands, show of hands, David Kahn style, show of hands. Well, I don't see anybody, but I'm guessing somebody's raising their hand right now. Would you rather have Hollow or Coyle? I'll take Hollow right now. He, he had almost 60 points and defensive specialist, this and that, but that can score. <sighs> and the Vegas Knights are doing a good job so far. Good for them. We'll talk about that in the second segment briefly. As we're going to, of course, preview the uh, Winnipeg games after that a bit. But generally speaking, it's going to be an NHL playoff conversation. Very brief, just kind of getting updated on how things are going and wrap up with the prospects like always. Nice to see some prospects with the Wild doing well. Uh, Louis Belpedio with two assists in his first game. I barely even saw him. He barely just had the puck in that Colin goal. But he still managed to get his first assist. The second one, though, there was a little bit more going on as he was able to move the puck forward. Ryan Suter style, I guess. Nino Niederreiter wound up to Jason Zucker, who wound up with 33 goals on the year, two goals in the game. Good for Jason Zucker. What an awesome season. 64 points. Two years ago, would you in your wildest dreams have seen, uh, thought, think you'd see Jason Zucker with 64 points with Minnesota, not with somebody else, if you know what I mean? The whole change of scenery bit with how much he was struggling. Just a couple years ago when uh, John Torchetti was coach and Mike Yo was still the coach and that, we thought Jason Zucker was going to be the the next uh, Vegas Golden Knight. We thought he was going to wind up going there before they were even called the Golden Knights. And, uh, well, Jason Zucker, we're happy to have him. Um, he's playing a teeny bit out of position in the playoffs because of the situations. But, well, it is what it is. And nobody's scoring for Minnesota because Hellebuck is so good and Dubnik is so good. And, oh, gosh, and Winnipeg is just deeper and better right now. And that's just all there is to it. I'm not going to come up here and rip the team. We're just, they're just, not matching up so good with this club. Um, but a fun game against the San Jose Sharks. Nice little tune-up that unfortunately has led to nothing other than we got to 101 points, and that's good. San Jose Sharks managed to get into the 100-point mark as well uh, previously. So that's cool. Now we move on to April 11th, and it was an inside job, all right. Well, it was an inside job in terms of it was in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and it didn't, well, it didn't finish well. Ah. Uh, Things were going well for a little while there, though, in that third period. Things were hopeful. Devin Dubnik was awesome in the first two periods at a bare minimum. But really, the whole night, I thought Devin Dubnik was great. Just that doggone, who the hell is this, Joel Morrow goal. 
Come on. Oh, come on. Uh, March Stifle, not a huge surprise. Nice one-timer. It's really, it's like one-timer after one-timer throughout this game, though Patrick Liney, that was a wrister and a spectacular one, to be quite honest. Paul Stansney, of course, from the <clears throat> St. Louis Blues, originally Colorado Avalanche, St. Louis Blues, just like his dad was there years ago in the in the 80s and 90s. Crazy to think. And yeah, Paul Stasny's already a veteran. Yep, but the 80s and 90s were a long time ago, as much as we love the 80s and 90s, those of us that are old enough to remember them. But, uh, yep, that's why you got guys like Paul Stanza, who's already a veteran, who had a father that played during that era. But I suppose Ken Herbeck played in the 80s and 90s, and he's ancient, so, with the Twins. Um, oh, boy, we're going to talk a bit about Patrick Liney. That guy is a son of a gun, isn't he? He's only in his second season, and he is... Well, yeah, watch out for the... All I have to say is watch out for the Winnipeg Jets. That's all I got to say, long-term. I mean, 44 goals in his second year, 36 in his rookie bleeping season. He did go number two overall. And the Winnipeg Jets, who were able to acquire him with the number two overall pick in 2016, let's just say they got awfully lucky in that NHL lottery in 2016. Just You just sit down and analyze how the Winnipeg Jets wound up with Patrick Liney. You consider they weren't that bad in 2015, 2016. They weren't that bad, were they? I mean, they weren't. You know, they were okay. They had a they had two they were two games above 500, which in this day and age is not good. They should have wound up with a seventh pick in the draft, but a 7.8 percent chance they wound up with a second pick in the draft, and I can't believe it. Um, slightly better than getting a number one pick opportunity, which Toronto did end up getting and got Austin Matthews. And Winnipeg went from seventh to second, and Patrick Liney, and the rest is history. At least the last two years are history, and. Yeah, it was a spectacular goal. Uh, some people would sit down and say that was a kind of a semi-soft goal by Devin Dubnik because of the distance, but it was the placement of the of the puck and the timing and the release, and it was just so quick. I mean, it was quick. It was almost faster than a one-timer how he was able to release it. Obviously, he had the puck for an extended period of time, which is well, like two or two or three seconds. But in hockey, that's like eternity. <laughs> in NHL hockey, that is. <laughs> um, but that release was just stunning and heartbreaking, and yeah, it was a bummer. But of course, let's get back a bit here. Obviously, Scheifele's uh, one-timer from Blake Wheeler, Blake Wheeler and originally Dustin Bufflin, who laid down the law on Jordan Greenway and Kuevu during the course of these two games. And I mean, he really put the hits on those guys and others throughout the couple games here, but those are the two most notable. I mean, Jordan Greenway looked like he might broke his neck the way he went down. Jeez. It was a clean hit. It's just the angle of how he went down, I suppose. Uh, Matt Collin, nice one-timer from Jordan Greenway. The second nice backhand as Jordan Greenway's first assist in the NHL regular season game was similar, which wound up in the back of the net from Parisi, if I remember correctly. I'd like to back up, but we don't need to. Um, but ultimately, Jordan Greenway, with that nice little backhand as he was strong on the wall, kind of a backhand pass to Matt Collin, who was able to finish on the one-timer, very quick release. And the 41-year-old hanging in there nicely. He's going to turn 42 this year. Crazy. And there it is. And it's like, there it is. There's a guy right there who's known for stepping up his game later in the season and into the postseason. And he's got three Stanley Cups, and he's been a huge factor in every one of them, despite his age the last couple of years, but even back in 2006 with fellow uh, Hurricane <laughs> uh, Eric Stahl who has been a huge non-factor so far. And it was really quiet until his 42nd goal. What the hell? He'd been really quiet. After his 40th goal, it's like, okay, I got 40 goals. I can slow down now. And that seems to be the case with their stall lately. Frustrating. And uh, top line with stall 
Zucker and Nito Niederreiter. Nino Niederreiter, awful in game one. And boy, uh, not a good game for Carson. Seriously, he looked so good in the first three games of his career, but that's exactly it. It's his first three games of his career, and it's just a different animal with Winnipeg, and their fan base is off the charts. I mean, it's the only team they got. They've never won anything, and this is a chance where it looks like they just might win something. And maybe for a long period of time, when you have a guy like Patrick Liney, who's 19, and he's already scoring 40 goals, and yikes, it's going to be a, a tough, tough go for us in the next few years, the next several years, as Patrick Liney is going to be ruling the roost there in Winnipeg. And Minnesota needs a guy like that so, so badly. And we we kind of had one in Gabrick. We kind of did. His inconsistency drove us crazy. His injury-prone, <laughs> the injury-proneness of him drove us crazy. Another thing of note when, he, when we talk about that is Patrick Liney. 82 games. Yeah, 82 games. A guy who doesn't get hurt. So, yeah, he's off to an awesome start to his career. Um, Zach Creasy, though, with a spectacular feed from fellow Finn player, fellow Finn in terms of Patrick Liney, uh, spectacular pass from Mikhail Grand. And of course, it started with a nice block from Koivu, who was able to kind of keep the puck between his skates. That was pretty crazy. And then able to feed to Grandland, who then did basically like the equivalent of a crossover dribble in the NBA, an awesome move by Mikhail Grandland, who then flipped it over to Parisi for the finish. Awesome play. Uh, unbelievable play by Mikhail Granlin, and he set up uh, set up Parisi earlier in a previous game as well with a similar play as he was wrapping up his season, and it's the kind of move that few players in the NHL have in Granlin. That's the capability we have. He's He's got to be the best skater on the Minnesota Wild overall. Um, as great as Eric Stahl was this year, Granlin still has that kind of, kind of star potential for this team. He's not line level, but he's got star potential still, and he's, again, Got these moves, and of course, great passing skills, and good finish by Zach Parisi. Right place, right time, and able to get the puck past Hellebuck, putting the Wild up 2-1. to one. It was so exciting, and I mean so exciting, and just, just a few seconds later. <sighs> she, yeah, just frustrating as all hell. Well, not quite a couple seconds, but you get the idea. About 53 seconds later, Patrick Liney again with a spectacular play, and then Joe Morrow, about eight minutes later, from much further out, this was the one that Dubnik wants back. Just, I don't know. You're putting the puck on net, and it went past Dubnik, and that's basically all there was to it. Nobody was able to get to the puck in time to block it. It was just, everybody was kind of, sort of, in the wrong place, wrong time, and Joe Morrow was able to finish, and it was so frustrating. And Devin Dubnik not rewarded for an awesome game. Uh, Hellebuck was rewarded for an awesome game, unfortunately, on our side. Um, but then again, Hellebuck only faced 20 shots. Winnipeg... In this game and in game number two, dominated the puck. Um, they had so many shot attempts. They they um, they they more than doubled the Wild in shot attempts in the game. Luckily, the Wild were able to block some, but generally speaking, Winnipeg just absolutely dominant in the game in terms of shot attempts. Minnesota again less than half shot attempts against the <coughs> Winnipeg Jets, and heartbreaking at the end of the day. Extremely frustrating with how this turned out, and it's kind of like it just leaves you very disappointed, um, leaves you stunned a bit. Uh, it's kind of like, what do you do? Uh, nice game by Prosser, generally speaking, with the five blocks. Sealer also strong in his, his first playoff game. Susie and Matt Dumba, though, missing on some plays, and you can't afford to miss them. Stepping up a little bit on the play. Uh, of course, gassed a tiny bit, too, with Dumba. 30-minute game, that's crazy. Uh, gassed in some plays. You're going to hear that. <laughs> You're always going to hear that. And Dumba, again, 
I don't know, just kind of lost focus on certain plays and you can't afford to miss on them. And that's what basically what takes place. And that's kind of what led into the second game in a lot of ways. That's what you hear much more in the second game than the first game. As Winnipeg, outside of that first period, pretty much dominated this game on the 13th of April. An absolute domination at the end of the day. If you want, to, if you want pure honesty, it was just heartbreaking. Charlie Coyle was, generally speaking, a non-factor. He did get one shot on goal, but at the end of the day, whew, extremely, extremely frustrating game. The Minnesota Wild had 10 giveaways in this one. I mean, it's like you're going to have giveaways, but it's a matter of what happens at the end of the day, what happens at the play, how much of a scoring chance did Winnipeg get. And they had a few during... That third period, in fact, quite a few, we could say. Minnesota, again, dominated the shots on goal. They had the first five shots on goal in the game, and it's like, hey, this is great. And they wind up with 17. What? I mean, that's freaking awful. Yeah, final score and the shots on goal. That doesn't necessarily guarantee you a win or anything, but uh, 44 to 17. It, it didn't work out so good, did it? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, this didn't go well at all. Uh <laughs> What do you what do you do? You know the the jokes on us, huh? Uh, Zach Greasy was able to finish on late after it was four nothing. That was nice, um, nice tip play after a good pass and a good move by from Miko Koivu. We appreciate that. Koivu has been good in these games. We I mean I, I have to admit Koivu generally speaking has been pretty solid, but again it hasn't really reflected much on the scoreboard and that's unfortunate. Susie better in the game but still not great. The Wild hanging on to uh, Mr. Belpedio, who again is a right shot. And right shot means somebody's going to have to play out of position. Or, yeah, like if you take Susie out, Belpedio is a right shot. Susie's a left shot. And then somebody's going to have to play out of position, which isn't going to bode that well, I don't think. I like having Susie in there. Having Belpedio burn the first year of his contract just to be scratched and play one game, which he did get two assists in against the Sharks, and that was awesome, but... It wasn't like he was like the main reason those goals happened, though. He just happened to be right place, right time, which again does count in, the, in their assists, and that's awesome. But you know, and he he made the plays necessary to lead to <laughs> to the goal, I suppose. Um, he started the plays and such. But geez, um, to have him burn the first year of his contract, we just burned that first year, and just so he can play one game and then get scratched in game one and game two of the playoffs. I don't know. Kind of strange. Um, I'm still kind of miffed by that one a little bit. Mm, I, I don't know what to say on that one, other than I'm confused. Uh, Devin Dubnik did what he could throughout this game. Again, he faced 44 shots. It was a firing squad. And just after, again, I'll, I'll go back. After the Parisi goal in Game 1, things looked so good. And then immediately, Winnipeg was like, you know what? Screw this. It was the only time you saw the fan base quiet. And it was the most beautiful thing ever. And literally the Jets were like, oh, they think they can play with us, huh? And then, yeah, that's basically what happened. It's like we were the frog getting warmed up in the kettle on the stove. And and then, oh, it's too warm, dead. You know, and that's kind of what it was like. Uh, it was slowly warming up was that water. And they took care of us in a big way. Uh, Minnesota dominated in the faceoffs, by the way, in game number two, April the 13th. Dominated in the faceoffs, but it didn't mean a whole lot because we turned the puck over right away or the Jets would just outwork us and take the puck away, this and that. Whether it was a turnover or a takeaway, it is what it is. Uh, it hits 38-23. to 23. That's nuts. Um, <laughs> and you'd hope the Wild would lead in blocks. Yeah, we won that category by two. Yay. <laughs> by two. 
considering shots and goal, 44 to 17. A slight discrepancy there, just a little bit. Um, Dubnik was awesome in the game. He stopped several shots despite some mistakes by Dumba and such and some lame turnovers by our forwards. Of course, Charlie Coyle, not a good game, I don't think. Uh, he had a turnover that ultimately led to one of the goals, and it's just, oh boy, it just leaves you just nauseated. <sighs> just nauseated at the end of the day. Um, you just sit down and mm, you sit down and watch and analyze the team after the game, and it's like, how do we win this series? How do we win this series? I mean, they're bigger, stronger, faster, all of that, and you just hope you can bring that energy in game number three. We're not dead yet. It's not over. Teams have come back from down 2-0, and, you know, it can very much happen. The Minnesota Wild did it against the Colorado Avalanche in 2014. It can happen. As you remember, that was our hope after we went down 2-0 against the uh, Blackhawks that year. We tied that series up, bada-bing, bada-boom, and then we didn't win the next two games against the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. But we did take care of business against the Avalanche, despite going down three games to two. But we won Game 6 and Game 7, saved the day, and felt a hell of a lot better <laughs> at the end of the day there with the Avalanche. Um, but that was then. This is now. I mean, your young, up-and-coming prospects were Mikhail Granlin, Halla, and such. Now you got Greenway, who's probably too, too green, literally. Susie, who's probably too green. And Sealer, who looks like a seasoned veteran already out there, and that's good. He's not perfect, but he's certainly the better of the two between Susie and Sealer so far, because Sealer's had a full season, or had a full season of AHL hockey before Susie's first season of AHL hockey again. So two two years in the AHL would have gotten uh, Susie going quicker. But hey, it, it is what it is there. It was like a year and a half for Sealer. Susie, just a little bit green, but he'll, he'll get it going. And he did look awfully hopeful in those final three games until game number one last night. A little bit better, but generally speaking... A little bit better. <laughs> Eric Zanek has made it, uh, has been out there. He's been getting shots on goal. I've been happy with what I've seen. It looked like he was hurt pretty badly in game number one, but he's back out playing again, and that's good, and he looked good in game number two. Of course, getting smashed around by the likes of Dustin Bufflin and others. Of course, frickin' Moro, that was the one that took place in this game. Frickin' Moro, who ended up scoring the game winner in game number one, laid a pretty big hit on Eric Zanek. It's like, I don't know, is that all we want to talk about here is they just beat the crap out of us physically? It's like because it's just, what else are you going to say? It was an awful game. You know, awful game, a dominant game by Winnipeg. And it's not even if the Wild played poorly, they just got the crap beat out of them. You know, because Winnipeg was just that much better. Winnipeg is playing for the Cup right now, and they're looking like they're heading to a conference championship, possibly. But I don't know, uh, as long as they're better than uh, Nashville in the second round, because, of course, that's the curse of this new schedule. It builds rivalry, rivalries, and that's without a doubt. Just like the good old days of the Blackhawks, St. Louis Blues, and such. Those teams sound awfully familiar, don't they? Hmm. But, uh, yeah, teams like Winnipeg and Nashville. Minnesota and Winnipeg. Minnesota, Nashville. Minnesota, Chicago, again. Just like it wasn't the first... 10-plus years of our existence as we were in the Northwest Division for a while there with Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver. Those are some interesting rivalries that took place, but they're a little bit further away. So if you work second shift, it's a, it helps a little bit that the games are a teeny bit later, but, uh, you know. <laughs> uh, Winnipeg, though, rowdy fan base, obviously, we know that. Uh, I know, I know. I You know, it's like you want to sit down and analyze the game, but it's depressing. I mean, I kind of... Basically did. I mean, they beat the crap out of the wild time and time again. This many shots on net and the puck domination. You can't win if you don't have the puck. You can't score if you don't have the puck. And I, I don't know. It, 
It was like the way Pittsburgh was too fast for, even though they were more skilled rather than physical, you get skill and physical physicality with the Winnipeg Jets. Obviously, the skills are with the Patrick Lineys and Scheifels and such, but you got physicality too. Time and time again, you're going to get knocked around by this team, and Winnipeg has a lot of Vancouver in them from years ago. We'll just see if they're chokers like Vancouver, if you remember very well. Not that, not even that long ago. The last, you know, 10 years or so, when Vancouver was a good hockey team, they had f- physical players, the Todd Bertuzzi's and such, and of course back in the 2013, uh, 2003 and such, an extremely talented team that could be physical and drive you crazy, but then they'd choke later on. Uh, we'll see what Winnipeg does if, if, as long as they don't choke to us. But uh, this is their first real, real playoff series. As the years before, they were heavy underdogs and weren't really ready for the big time. But now, I think this team could be ready for the big time. And the Wilds' hopes of advancing are very, very... Uh, they, they have an uphill climb to get there. That's for damn sure. And let's get that started in game number three. So, the Mike Madonna Award... For these last three games, it's got to go to Zach Parise and Devin Dubnik. Devin Dubnik, not perfect by any means in game number two and against the against the Sharks. I don't know why he was in there against the Sharks. I would have put Stalock in there, but I don't know. I guess, uh, obviously, Boudreaux loves Dubnik, and his thought process is keep Dubnik kind of sharp, this and that, rather than let him rest. Just keep him sharp and ready, this and that, because he will have a few days off to get to the Winnipeg game. Of course, it was five days off to get there, so that was a thought process. Didn't want to... Didn't wanna, did want to have a, a super long layoff for Devin Dubnik, like a whole week, because that can also be harmful at times. So Devin Dubnik and Zach Parisi will get the Mike Madonna Award. James Shepard Memorial, well, Tyler Ennis did get an assist in his last game so far. His last game was in the regular season game. He's been a scratch for obvious reasons. And, of course, good to have Greenway out there, and you need Felino and Greenway out there. Daniel Winnick is a no-brainer. Even though he's not a great player, obviously he's physical, strong, this and that, and we could use him <laughs> in a big way. Uh, but boy, I, I don't know. You can't out physical him. You can't out shoot him. This and that. It's going to be hard. And I don't know. You need guys like Eric Stahl and Jason Zucker to step up. You really need those guys to step up. And of course, Granlund to hope to continue to get some space with that puck so he can make the moves he's going to make rather than, again, just running into <laughs> bigger players and turning the puck over, as that's kind of been the case so far. Not necessarily Grandland, but guys like uh, Charlie Coyle, who will get the James Shepard Memorial. He has had opportunities, and he's just made mistakes here and there. He doesn't look like a guy who is, you know, a big, strong, physical young man, and he just isn't stepping up when you need him to. And it's extremely frustrating, and it's the same old story every year. Uh, you know, we were saying that about Koivu for about every year, including last year. He's been okay this year, I think, so far in these first two games in the playoffs. Coyle, to me, is the one that's just the most frustrating. Of course, Niederreiter and Stahl, you could you could lump him in with Coyle a bit, but Coyle a little bit worse than them. Of course, costly turnovers, but Stahl and Nieder, Nino Niederreiter and Zucker, really that whole top line there, completely disappearing when you need the most, and it's bullcrap. So that's kind of what that is. Good games by the fourth lines and third lines, sure, but here we are struggling, hoping for something better, and we're not getting it so far. So with that, we will take a quick break. We will continue the postseason conversation, previewing the next two games in terms of, or the next three games or so, going into next week. But generally speaking, we're going to try to keep up with this as best possible, see how things go. And, yep, we'll look at the prospects and, of course, the other teams in the postseason right after this.
And we are back here on Brave the Wild. Second segment, of course, time for some previews, I suppose, right? So we're going to preview three games here. Coming up against the 15th, uh, 15th, 17th, and 20th here. Two games in the Exhale Energy Center and then back to Winnipeg in Game 5, if necessary. Which isn't official yet. I think the Minnesota Wild win at least one, though, at the Exhale Energy Center. Wouldn't it be great if the Minnesota Wild win both of these? Then it's a whole different series. It's a best out of three. Winnipeg would still be favored, but I think the Wild could, could uh, possibly pull off the upset because it would be a massive momentum shift if that took place. Unfortunately, I got a feeling it's going to be 3-1 to one after the 17th, and that's kind of where I'm leaning right now. I think Minnesota wins. Well, you're going to win one of the two. I think we win game number three to make things interesting. God willing, how wonderful would it be if the Wild could protect home ice and win both? I mean, the possibility's there, but right now, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Minnesota's going to win game number three, something that it likes four to two. I've got a good feeling about that. A four to two win for the Minnesota Wild, It'll, and Winnipeg will be frustrated throughout the game. Minnesota's going to get 40 plus shots on net. You're going to see a lot of energy from the Minnesota Wild. You're going to see a completely different game. You're going to see a hungry and, you know, a, a team with their back against the wall. As, of course, that's what the Wild have been known for the last several years in the Suter and Parisi era as we're the, we're the furious ra, fur, <laughs> furious rally team, so to speak, which Judd Zolgad likes to make fun of the Wild for that. Yep, it's like we let ourselves get down, so then we have the furious rally, and yay, there we go, we won a game, and this and that, or we make a comeback after going down 3 nothing. Well, why are you down 3 nothing in the first place? So, like against the Dallas Stars a couple of years ago, like, oh, that big rebound, and here we are, and then we still lose. We lose in overtime or whatever, or right before overtime. But I think Minnesota's going to have a quote-unquote furious rally in game number three and win. They're going to have 40-some shots on net, and Winnipeg will be reduced to 25 to 28. Minnesota will play a much better game in Nexital Energy Center in game number three. And if they don't, the season's over. You go down 3 nothing. that's pretty much a bye-bye birdie. There's no way the Wild would survive a 3 nothing deficit with the way this Jets team is playing. It would probably be a sweep or maybe you win game four. Oh, goody. And then back to the the uh, comfortable confines of uh, Winnipeg there. And, uh, yeah, it wouldn't go well, unfortunately. Um, I think the Winnipeg Jets win game number four, unfortunately. Um I would love to believe the Wild could bring the momentum into game number four. I've just, I need to see it happen first before I can predict it <laughs> at the end of the day. They can. They they can. It's possible. I mean, Minnesota can beat Winnipeg. Yes, we can. Um, just, you know, control the puck a little bit more. That's the hope. And I, I know it's easier said than done. <laughs> I, I just have a feeling the Minnesota is going to come out really aggressive and is going to get a lot of shots on goal in game number three. And again, I could be wrong about that one, but I'm predicting a 4-2 to win. We're going to get Hellebuck for four goals in the game, or three maybe, and then the empty netter by Eric Stahl. That's about all he's good for right now is empty nets. I mean, come on, Eric, let's go. Let's see the good Let's see the good play again. Most likely got to score in game number three. Well, <laughs> It's going to be a quote-unquote hat-trick, and I don't mean a literal hat-trick, but I'm, I think Zach Rizzi's going to score his third goal of the playoffs in game number three. I think so, but don't be surprised if guys like Grandland Niederreiter finally become a factor, and that makes a huge difference. Maybe a, a surprise, though, like a Greenway type or, you know, <laughs> like a Sealer. Something like that's going to happen, though, and I think Minnesota's going to be a factor. Most likely got to score in the fourth game. I think Jared Spurgeon's going to get at least one playoff goal before, you know, the series is said and done. Um, one way or another. I think Jared Sturgeon is going to score something, and he will score in game number four at home for the Minnesota Wild. I do believe that. 
I'm hoping and believing. I just got a feeling that Winnipeg's going to come out different in that game. It's going to be shut down. It's going to be dominant. It's going to be physical. And it's going to be a 3-1 to win for the Winnipeg Jets. I just got that feeling, that icky, yucky feeling. Winnipeg will get something of the likes of 38 shots at net. Minnesota will be reduced to the low 20s, I think. And they're going to be frustrated and pissed off. 3-1, three down 3-1, three to one, down three to one, heading into Friday the 20th, where Winnipeg will close the Wild out in five. That's kind of where I'm leaning right now. That's not what I want. I know that's not what you want. It's just that's what it looks like right now. But hopefully next week, <laughs> there probably will still be snow on the ground the way it's going. It's going all over the place right now. And uh, it's April 14th or 15th or whatever day it is. It is 14th. Okay, good. So it's not quite the 15th yet at least. So we're not, yeah, we're in mid-April. We're not quite past the midway point yet at least. But we're getting about a foot of snow here, I think. Something along those lines or the close to a foot. We'll see. It's, uh, yeah, it's very winter-like out there. It's February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day, Wild fans. Yeah, remember the Valentine's Day game? Happy Valentine's Day, Wild fans. (laughs) We're playing the Jets in the playoffs, so it must be April, right? It is April, and it's February, but it's April. Okay, well, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) But right now, I think Wild lose in five, unfortunately, and that's all she wrote. That's my guess, but... I want to be wrong. Let's go. I Be wrong, Joey. Come on, Wild. Go get them. Pound this Jets team. Let's win all three, huh? Wouldn't that be something? Then you could close them out in Game 6, and things are all so different. And, boy, you don't even have to go to Game 7. You don't even need Game 7 because we just won four games in a row, and that'd be the happiest day ever. But I don't think that's where it's headed. Speaking of a team that's probably not going to be around very long, it's the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, the Pittsburgh, uh, the Pittsburgh series, or the Pennsylvania series, I should say. Philadelphia Flyers down lose seven nothing in game number one. Vegas Golden Knights are impressing me. They're winning close games in the playoffs. Yes, in Vegas, but still, good job. A, a one nothing win, a shutout by uh, Mark Andre Fleury. Good job and good for uh, Mark Andre Fleury, who'd been pretty lousy in the playoffs for the last, you know, decade for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But uh, good on him and good on the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm happy for them, really. Uh, Boston pounding the Bruins. Now, as we heard in the game, uh, headed to Thursday's games, 5-1 to one victory for Boston. They're up one nothing there. Tampa Bay Lightning doing a lot of what they've done the regular season, scoring five goals against New Jersey. one nothing lead there. Columbus wins in overtime in Washington. Good job. That's a nice win. Good start to that series for them. Doesn't guarantee anything, but if you're going to win a series, winning game one is a, a big deal. It's a huge start. A 5-2 to two victory for Nashville. No surprise there either. I think that series is going to be fairly short. And the Sharks with a shutout. Good job, Jones. Martin Jones of the Sharks. Good job in, in Anaheim. So impressive. Thursday, or excuse me, Friday, we move on into last night's games. As I know, the, the Vegas Golden Knights are up 2 to nothing. That's great. Philadelphia... With the win. Okay, never mind. That Maybe not. 5-1 <laughs> to one over the Pittsburgh Penguins. Not bad. Not bad. I, I remember now. I was getting it mixed up with somebody else. So, my apologies. All these scores and all this other stuff. And I'm ranting and crying about the Wild Series so far. Because I'm not happy. I want them to do better. And what a frustrating loss. Of course, that was the other game. But 5-1 to one win for uh, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. That's good. So, that series may hang around for a little while. The Golden Knights up 2 nothing and 2 overtimes. A win... In two overtimes for the Vegas Golden Knights. Not bad, eh? I'm happy for the Golden Knights, and good for them. You know, what? wouldn't that be the story of the year? They'd be kind of like the Philadelphia Eagles, where, yeah, you know, they, they had this good record, but somebody's going to knock them out right away. Like, Atlanta's going to knock them out. Okay, Vikings will take care of them. Oh, well, the Patriots will beat them. 
they won the whole thing. Okay. Well, that might be what's going to happen with the Knights this year. You just never know. I'm not going to pick it or anything, but maybe. What the flip, Saunders? Doesn't this just figure? Just sit down. Sit down. Ah, put your put your feet up. Hands behind your hands behind your head. Relax and sit back and listen to this. You know, ah, isn't this just great? Who are the two guys that scored for the Vegas Golden Knights? Are you ready? Alex Tuck on the power play in the first period, and who scored the game-winning goal in overtime? Second, second overtime. That is Eric Halla. Liar! You liar! You liar! So yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't lose anything there. Oh well. Well, I'm glad Dumba had a 50-point season, and he has a positive future in this league, but oh, I wish he would step up at the right time and not the wrong time, but oh well. I mean, he's got a lot of potential. Sometimes you have to take the good with the bad with certain guys. Obviously, the Brett Favre's of the world, gunslingers, they make mistakes, but they take it at big games, and they have these great seasons and all that, and you know, it's better than having a Christian Ponder who's afraid to freaking put a uniform on without without basically peeing his pants. That's basically what Christian Ponder did, so... And that's kind of what Charlie Coyle looks like out there. So, I, 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 on occasion, on occasion, he's not that bad. But, oh, Lord, Christian, or Charlie Coyle, he needs to be better. You know, he's supposed to be, yeah, I don't know. He was supposed to be one of the uh, one of the pillars of this franchise, and I don't see it. I do not see it, and I have never seen it. Just on occasion, I saw some, and you see the potential on occasion, and then it disappears for 20 games again. But, uh, yeah, Eric Halla, oh, Eric Halla. Mm, I always liked him. Alex Tuck, not really. I was never impressed with the guy, but, well, he got a playoff goal, so good for him. Uh, Vegas, though, doing a great job winning in these tough, low-scoring games. That's impressive. As you thought, Vegas would have to score a good amount of points, a good amount of goals, but then again, their goaltending has been unbelievable all season, so who knows? The Knights might be the Philadelphia Eagles of hockey this year. They might be the team that everybody's just like, yeah, they had this gaudy record, but, ah, screw them. They're not going to do anything. Well, maybe they will do something because I don't think I don't think San Jose or Anaheim will beat Vegas. If Vegas can survive the Los Angeles Kings, I think they're going to the West Finals and who knows? That's what I think, you know? I mean, the old who knows is, is what's next. Uh, and of course, the former uh, National Predator, James Neal, a member of that team, and he had the assist in the game-winning goal there along with, say, Theodore Dion Phaneuf was one of the uh, assist men for the Kings, but let's move on. Low-scoring game, low-scoring game, generally speaking. It's either they're super low-scoring or, or somebody kicks somebody's ass, and like Philadelphia and Pittsburgh has been kicking each other's ass so far, and the Jets with a 4-1 win. That was a butt-kicking, and really unfortunate for Minnesota so far. So it's just kind of you sit and continue with this. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, I think they're going to beat the Kings. It looks like it. Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, well, we'll just see what happens. We'll just kind of keep this updated. Generally speaking, I'm still sticking with Nashville versus Boston for the final, but we'll see. Stanley Cup final. But we shall see at the end of the day. I think the I, mean, I think I might be wrong about the Kings, and it's going to be the Knights instead. And I basically was saying last series, the winner of that series will go to the West Finals. I like the Sharks and the Ducks and everything. They're dangerous, but I just got a feeling it's the Kings or the Knights in the finals. The, the conference final, that is. Stanley Cup final, probably Nashville. So, yes. Uh, let's briefly look at the prospects and such. There isn't as much to talk about anymore. Dmitry Sokolov and the Barry Colts are out. They were they lost in the second round. Not a good second round matchup against Kingston, and they're done. So, unfortunately, there, they kind of stopped scoring. They were such an elite scoring team, and Sokolov had three-point games, two goals, one assist type of situation. One goal, two assists in the first game, uh, first round. Second round, it's like the whole team got shut down, and hard to believe a high-scoring team like the Barry Colts Got completely shut down by Kingston, 
but that's what happened, and that's what happens. Ah, that's what happens, and that's what happened, is what I should say. Um, frustrating turn of events there for the uh, Barry Colts. Rapid City Rush season is over. They scored nine goals in their in their last game, Rapid City Rush. Lousy season record-wise. Of course, that's our first uh, season with them as our ECHL club, as the, uh, uh, what were they called? <laughs> the Quad City Mallards, of course, in Illinois are no longer our ECHL affiliate. It is the Rapid City Rush. Nine goals and four of them to uh, Dante Salaturo. So good for him. He's the guy we, we acquired for Jordan uh, Strader at the end of the day. I'm getting a mixed up with Jordan Greenway now. Two slightly different sizes of players. Jordan Greenway versus Jordan Schrader, but Greenway needs to play a bit more physical. He looked, yeah, he looked like a sissy against uh, Dustin Bufflin. He really did, and that sucks. Hopefully he can bulk up a bit uh, in the offseason some more. He's obviously already a big guy, but he needs to continue to bulk up, and at his young age he can, and he needs to man up. Yes, uh, you know, obviously Bufflin's a, a seasoned veteran, and that's going to happen. No matter how big you are, you're going to get knocked on your tail when, you know, you're just a little bleeping rookie out there. Um, in time, though, hopefully Jordan Greenway can be the guy laying hits like that rather than being the recipient of them. That would be greatly appreciated. Love the potential of Jordan Greenway, and I do think he will get there, but mm, I don't know. I think a lot of guys, a lot of guys and gals out there, Minnesota Wild fans, frustrated so far with the lack of physicality from a, a guy like Jordan Greenway's stature. But, uh, well, at least you're seeing some playmaking ability, and that's what he was more known of, the uh, known for, in uh, for the Boston University Terriers the past couple of years there. Uh, he, he did have a hat trick this past season, but generally speaking, more of a playmaking forward than a goal scorer. So we'll see. Again, we're still waiting for Luke Cunning, obviously, until all the way until next season before we hopefully see him healthy, ready to go again, along with uh, Ryan Studer. So two extremely serious injuries to those guys. <sighs> and it doesn't help. Obviously, having Luke Cunning would be nice right now. No, no, if he'd make a huge difference, but Ryan Suter would, and Ryan Suter's not there. So, I don't know. I'm glad that Susie's getting experience, but hopefully it's not negative experience with this team beating the crap out of us so far physically and such. Um, <laughs> Iowa Wild, well, they're still kind of playing. They're still kind of playing, and they've won a couple games lately. Not the highest scoring affairs, but they're hanging in there. And that's good. Uh, Sam Anasa, 60 points on the season, 26 goals. Justin Clues, just under 50 there with 49 points as he added another assist last night, his 30th of the season. So good for him. Kyle Rouse had a late-season surge, 48 points in the 68 games he's played. He's second on the team with 23 goals. Two former Gophers there, Justin Clues and Kyle Rau, who were on the, uh, the, they played in the National Championship game in 2014. The Duluth. Bulldogs are the 2018 NCAA champions. Congratulations to the Duluth Bulldogs who took advantage of a couple turnovers by the extremely low-scoring Jacques Lemaire-like uh, uh, neutral zone trap uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish. A couple of crucial turnovers helped Duluth go up 2-0 and you just knew, you just knew that the, even when Notre Dame was able to score and cut the lead in half, haha, really simple math there, um, you just knew that Duluth was going to go on to win that game. Oh, boy, I, you feel so bad, though, for the kids on the Notre Dame side. You could just see them. They were heartbroken. They were crying, tears coming down their cheeks. And, oh, you know, they tried their ass off to tie that game up. But, boy, oh, boy, going down 2 nothing like that with crucial turnovers is it's going to kill you in a game like that. And, uh, well, XL Energy Center, very friendly. 
to Minnesota teams that are able to survive enough to get to the Frozen Four. I wish Minnesota could get there again because I think that raises the Wild's chances of winning a national, uh, Gophers' chances of winning a national championship again. Bob Moscow, you got to get to your second Frozen Four. It's obviously St. Cloud has not been able to do a whole lot despite their gaudy records in the regular season. They've been Viking-like in terms of their playoff success. Or Vancouver Canucks-like. <laughs> when they'd have a great season, they'd lose right away. And I don't know. I'm not trying to rip the St. Cloud State Huskies. It's just, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a fan of them. I'm a Gopher fan. Bulldogs would be my second favorite team, but a distant second because I'm a pretty passionate Gopher fan. But very happy to see the uh, the other uh, the other maroon and gold team hoist that national championship trophy. Only their second so far. Scott Scan uh, Scott Sandlin has done an unbelievable job with the Duluth Bulldogs. Uh, the team, the program, had some success back in the old days, but never brought home the the hardware, so to speak, the wooden hardware, wooden and, and brass <laughs> hardware. But they've been able to bring home two, and both of them in Exa Energy Center. And of course, the Gophers won a national championship there back in 02. It feels like hundred years ago now because if I went to the U of M or to a four-year college, so to speak, I would have been a senior the same year as Jordan uh, Leopold and Johnny Pohl. So that one was very special to me. That was my quote-unquote senior class, you could say, and they got it. And that meant a lot to me. And I mean a lot, seeing the guys from my senior class win the national championship uh, in their last game. That was their last game, obviously. And that meant a big deal. And nice to see... Uh, <laughs> nice to see Nick Sweeney pull home a championship. He didn't score anymore down the stretch, but he had some scoring chances. He was a factor offensively here and there, and I like the future of Nick Sweeney. I can't wait to see him in green one day with Iowa and ultimately Minnesota. I'm sure he'll be in Iowa for a year or so before he skates on NHL ice, unless he's a gigantic surprise the next year or two here. Of course, he was an older... Uh, he won't be playing four years for Duluth because he was an older guy, just like Steeler recruited. Uh, Steeler ended up only playing one year with the Gophers and then a year and a half with the Iowa Wild before suiting up with Minnesota with Jonas Brodeen's injury, and he is a keeper. <laughs> Nick Steeler will be on Minnesota for many years, hopefully, God willing. And Carson Soucy, same thing long term, but I wouldn't be surprised if next year he starts off in Iowa again and you go from there because obviously injuries happen and well I don't think Gustav Olsson I got a feeling he's not going to skate another game for Minnesota they've not been happy with Gustav Olsson you won't be seeing him skate in the playoffs with his kind of like barely awake attitude out there he, he's it's just the way he plays he's kind of a sleepy guy maybe another team another location can get more out of him but unfortunately we haven't got much out of him despite some good play during the midpoint of the season during Brodeen's injury but then you call up Steeler and, wow, Nick Sealer ended up being something awfully special uh, for the Minnesota Wild and uh, really happy to have him in the fold. He almost, scored his, uh, he almost scored his first playoff goal yesterday. Too bad he wasn't able to finish on that one. Nice shot by Nick Sealer. So that's pretty much the prospects at the moment. Uh, nice to see Brennan Mendel with 25 points. He's the next Jared Spurgeon, so to speak. Undrafted, well, not undrafted. Spurgeon was a six-round pick, but a guy who ended up coming to Minnesota as a free agent as the... Uh, Islanders had given up on him, surprisingly. He came to Minnesota and surprised us all. Uh, it wasn't great right out of the gate, but it was good enough. And then ho hopefully a similar situation will happen with Brendan Mendel, who models his game after a certain guy by the name of Jordan. Uh, I keep calling everybody Jordan. Jared Spurgeon. So, cool. Cool. Something to look forward to in the next year or so with Brendan Mendel, possibly. Another right shot defenseman. But, of course, Luis Belpedio, I think he's got first dibs on that job at this stage. Things will be very interesting. Uh, I'd like to see Nate Prosser return for at least a one-year contract next year. 
But if there's a younger, if if one of the young prospects is able to earn the ice time and get more ice time than uh, you know, get more active games than Mr. Uh, Prosser, then so be it. As Prosser generally was the seventh defenseman for a long period of time, as we've been waiting for that uh, improved uh, right shot defensive core for Minnesota. So with that, I'm gonna call it a day here. Hopefully, you're able to shovel yourselves out of your homes and. Uh, survive this weekend. Those of you in Minnesota, Iowa, uh, South Dakota, North Dakota, maybe even Winnipeg if you're listening. I don't know. Well, I don't think you're having snow up that high, but maybe. There probably is snow up there, but not this maybe not this particular storm. I'm not sure, but I know Iowa's getting pounded, and I'm sure there's some Iowegians listening to the show. Maybe Mark Carlson, possibly, and others. Obviously, his wife is from Winnipeg, so that's a split household, I think, at the moment. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. (laughs) Nothing personal, obviously. It's just sports, quote-unquote, business. So, thanks again for listening. Please give Brave the Wild a positive ring on iTunes if you could. want to thank Hockey Podcasts and Vince Germano for retweeting the show at Brave the Wild, at Brave the Wild. Do give that a follow if you could. Greatly appreciate it. Tweet to me. Talk to me if you if you like. Anytime during the game or anything like that, talk to me. Um, you're always welcome, and I appreciate it very much. I need to tweet more from that account. It would be probably a good idea to get more reaction myself. Same thing with the Facebook page. Facebook.com forward slash Brave the Wild. Facebook.com forward slash Brave the Wild. Or just look up Brave the Wild. And you'll find the Facebook page. Give that a like and follow, so to speak. <clears throat> Join it and start conversating with me. Just want to say again, uh, shout out to, of course, MNW Players. I'm an admin for that page. MNW Players, Pablo Burnett and Mary Skyba, Czech Republic. They cover everything. They cover the wild like Lewis and Clark. Um, <clears throat> everything from Eric Stahl down to Pablo Genis in the, in the ECHL. So, again, NHL down into the prospects and overseas and Sasha like Kapil Kakanen and of course Kirill Kaprizov who we can't wait to see Andrei Svetlakov Dmitry Sokolov of the very Colts at the moment OHL get him to the damn AHL next year please get Dmitry Sokolov to the AHL and just maybe the NHL and uh, NHL roster next year oh wouldn't that be awesome to see Dmitry Sokolov skating for the Minnesota Wild you don't have to worry about uh, a Russian contract KHL type of situation like we do with Kaprizov. Sokolov is in North America. Let's let's roll, baby. Let's roll. At least get him to the AHL and see what happens. Come on. Entry-level contract. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. I want to see what he could do at the professional level. Uh, a little bit higher than the, than the major juniors of the OHL. Come on. Please. <laughs> I got to think it's time for that, right? It's been two years now. Let's go. Let's go. <sighs> Summer prospect camp, that's always fun. Something to look forward to in a big way. But, of course, leading into training camp and such. Oh, yeah. Let's let's do it. So, with that, again, thanks for listening. Please tell your friends about the show if you could. Again, there is the uh, phone line, 209-736-7877. 209-736-7877. It is, a, it is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention you're calling in for Brave the Wild. Do your statement, shout-out, comment, question, and opine. It, there's a three-minute limit to that because it is an actual voicemail. But then I'm able to have that right away and get get it on the show for a fan interaction segment, like a mini segment. And of course, <clears throat> there's the audio submission route, which also works very nicely. Again, there's also the call now button, which goes to the same phone line on the Facebook page. Call now button, click on that. It goes through Facebook Messenger, so it's completely free and all that, no matter where you're from this and that. And then the audio submission route is where you use your smart device, a free voice recording application of any kind, which usually is built into the phone. 
phone or, or iPad or, or Samsung tablet, whatever the heck it is, and treat it like a phone call and email it to paladinolive at yahoo.com, paladinolive at yahoo.com, which I will then quickly convert it into an MP3 file. Thanks to zamzar.com or converto.com. Thanks to those websites for helping me there. Greatly helps this show on the occasions I do get uh, audio submissions to this show or others. So thanks again for that in advance. Paladino Live at Yahoo.com, like I mentioned. Uh, all this information will be in the show description for copy and paste or whatever you'd like to do. Uh, quick navigation to get to where you need to get with the Face Equation Twitter account and, of course, the email address. Shout out to Minnesota Wild Hardcore. I love my little patch here. Minnesota Wild Hardcore patch. You hear this thing rubbing the microphone? That's thanks to Jim Maddell. Thank you guys very much. Uh, for sending me this a few weeks back. Of course, uh, during an in-game thread, I was one of the quote-unquote winners. Well, yeah, not quote-unquote. I was one of the winners of the patch, and I really appreciate it, and I love it. It's going to go on a jersey at some point, but right now it's my little companion here. I just have it hanging on with me on my laptop every time I do a show. I love looking at it as I'm talking. <laughs> it's a nice distraction at times to kind of keep me focused. Sometimes I need to be distracted to be focused, as I can just kind of stare at that and conversate. It kind of keeps my thoughts centered where they need to be. And I'm, I'm looking at it right now, and it's, it's beautiful. Love the hardcore uh, uh, <clears throat> patch here where you can put on your jersey and all that. Uh, obviously, hockey jerseys are meant to have patches in a big way. So very cool. Just like uh, every hockey jersey has shoulder patches, you know, like the secondary logo and such. It's awesome. It's really nicely made. Uh, love it. So thanks to Jim Maddow there. Shout out to Chad Wolski. And, of course, Chance Kostick, David Kostick, and others out there. That's my uh, my brother's brother-in-law, so he could be my brother-in-law as well. And David Kostick is the father-in-law, again, my brother's wife's uh, family there. So thanks again. Big shout-out to you guys. And, again, anybody out there that likes the show and wants to help, please give a positive rating on iTunes or Stitcher. It's worth its weight in gold, and it's greatly appreciated. I want to thank you again very much for those of you that have done it and those of you that will do it in the future. Again, thanks again so much for that. It only helps. It really does. <clears throat> and it's getting lonely there. It needs a little help. It's been quiet lately. So help out, guys, if you could. <laughs> so, again, take care, everybody. Hope you're able to get through this weekend. A lot of you in the Twin Cities and Iowa and northern Minnesota, southern Minnesota, South Dakota, all that. The five-state region, Wisconsin. Yes, Souter fans in Wisconsin, right? <laughs> Cunning, too, by the way. Two Badgers on the Minnesota Wild roster. So uh, please get health. Oh, my God. You know, doesn't that... Wow. You know, I didn't even make that connection all this time. Here I am at the very end of the show. Both of them, the Badgers, the two Badgers are the ones with the most serious injuries. Ouch. Oh, isn't that something? And it's not a shot at Wisconsin. Please get healthy, guys. Oh, boy. And I know, it's just one of those things. It's literally like a ball socket, so to speak, that uh, that, that tallest bone for uh, Ryan Suter. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking injury for him. And God bless and remain seated and... Yeah, remaining seated for four months straight. Yikes, that's torture. Uh, Luke Cunning might be walking already by now. Probably on a limp, though. That can't feel good, obviously. God bless you, Luke Cunning. Oh, boy, speedy speedy recovery and pain-free and complete recovery at the end of the day. That's number one for both Ryan Suter and Luke Cunning. Prayers for those injuries to, be, to have a complete recovery indeed. So thanks again. God bless all of you. Have a nice weekend. Have a nice, uh, and congratulations once again to UMD fans. I know Jim Maddell and others of the page are gigantic UMD fans. Several people on the Minnesota Wild Hardcore, uh, as a shout out to them. 
page, our gigantic UMD fans. One final con- uh, congratulations to you guys, and hopefully the Gophers, maybe we can actually win a game against you again one of these decades. <laughs> it's been pretty rough. But, well, if we're not winning, you guys go ahead and win. All right? <laughs> you, you, you have my blessing. Until next week or so, depending on the schedules, again, one of these days I'm going to start doing lawn cleanups and it'll be more sporadic uh, recordings. It'll be just different days because obviously you get rain, you get this and that, so I'll be able to jump on the microphone and get behind the, get back on Brave the Wild once again. But until next time, take care and talk to you soon.